Project A Podcast. Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Project A Podcast. My name is Tamer, I'm CPO at Project A Ventures. And today we'll talk about how technology and business changes the art market. So the art market hasn't seen the same transformation towards digital as we have seen it in other markets. And to discuss that topic, I have a very special guest with me, and this is Kerstin Gold. She is Art Market Strategy Consultant, co-founder of Entrepreneur.io and co-founder of the Art and Tech Report. Welcome, Kerstin. Welcome, Tama. Thank you very much for today's invitation. Great to have you here. Um, so can you actually call the art market an industry? Is that an industry or would the art market say, oh, we are not an industry? Oh, wow. We're jumping into the big question already. Um, as an economist and a strategist, I would surely say it's an industry. Uh, it, there is a market because eventually it is about money and selling work and um, making money with it. However, there is a strong opinion within the industry that it is about um, the art world rather than an art market um, because although art might be sold eventually, It's more about discovering and bringing together the right piece of art with the right kind of collector. And that's more about matchmaking than doing the hard mm -hmm. stuff. How would you actually describe the relationship between, let's say, the art world and um, the business um, and technology world? Up to recently, I would say the art market has been a very traditional system. And if you're not familiar with the art world, then it's important for you to know that um, it has been a market which has been um, working on a physical and analog level quite for, for quite a long time until last year, until um, COVID hit. So I wouldn't necessarily say there has been a strong relation to technology in general. Um, but apparently, um, then everyone was forced uh, overnight to catch up on everything digital. So there, there is a relationship now, but I think it's still defined by a lot of um, testing and pivoting rather than having sustainable solutions yet. Let's jump right in. I mean, you've um, created the Art and Tech Report. Um, yes. What was your idea behind it? What was your motivation to actually... Um, uncover some data in the field of the art market? Yeah, well, um, just maybe just one thing um, with regards to the Art and Tech Report. It's been an initiative by um, four female art players from the, from the Berlin art ecosystem. And I'm one of the co-founders. And we initiated this project last year when COVID hit the world and COVID hit the art market. Because as just mentioned, it's been a very physical analog market. And when Corona hit, the, there was a complete standstill because physical sales weren't um, possible anymore. So the whole industry had to shift to digital overnight, which meant a lot of testing. And the majority of the, mar the market players didn't really have any experiences in the digital realm yet. So there were no digital infrastructure. There were no digital knowledge in-house. So um, I don't think it came as a surprise when many players found out that it didn't really work that well yet. And the much hope for online sales didn't convert. Um, so there, very soon there was a huge frustration after the first digital boost. 
um, that online sales didn't convert and there were voices arising saying that's what we always thought you can't really sell art online nobody would be willing to buy art online and let's just wait until everything goes um, back to normal and that was the point when the four of us said it's very interesting that no one is actually turning to the consumer or collector and ask why didn't you buy art online why isn't this working for you as of yet and since no one seemed to be interested in um, questioning this or addressing these questions, um, we went out to do the research ourselves. And said and done, we did a quite complex survey amongst nearly 400 art collectors, asking them about the experiences of how they bought art online, what they've been missing, and what they might be requesting for the future. And um, we've published the results in, in April. It's on a website called arttechreport.com where everybody who might be interested in can still see and scroll through all the key learnings. And you can also download the full report there because it's for free. Um, that's been something which has been very dear to us from the very beginning to say whatever we find out, we're going to make it available to clearly everyone who is interested in his or her sustainable future in this market. And um, that's been the motivation behind the report. Cool. So um, you just like mentioned that um, the industry made their first tests once COVID hit the market mm -hmm. and they tried out a couple of things and figured out that it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, this comes a little bit to a surprise to say like, hey, let's test it. I mean, this sounds like a very modern approach and uh, actually what the digital industry is about, testing things, testing, uh, validating hypotheses, and then moving forward. Mm -hmm. How did you recognize that the industry has actually started to test a couple of things? Do you have some stories in mind that you might going to be able to share um, yeah. what the people actually did? I, I'm not sure if we do refer to the same kind of testing, but I'm going to elaborate on it anyway. Um, with testing, I mean, there were no... Um, experience there was no experience beforehand so everything they did was new so um some of some of the galleries for example started to um, try things on instagram um and um, then of course everyone turned to zoom calls and video live tours and so that was that was this kind of testing in terms of what kind of formats will help them to stay in touch with their customers with their artists with their collectors and um as an Industry outsider, I assume most of the things are either standard for you or uh, maybe even proven concepts in other industries. But again, this has all been new to the art market, so they needed to test out what's working and what doesn't. And maybe one of the digital formats they, um, which was invented in and for the art market in particular last year was called the online viewing room. I don't know if you heard about it. It's been the, the word, the buzzword of the market last year, um, OVRs, and they've been created um, as a substitute for physical sales, and they were meant to become online sales rooms. Some of them were even three-dimensional in their displays and um, some of them incorporated a lot of rich content and the intention was to sell art because you couldn't sell it via fair or in your gallery anymore. And it turned out that uh, although everyone invested in this kind of format and investing I'm, with investing, I mean money, but also personnel resources and, and knowledge, the people had to really learn how to 
um, fill the template and how to use um, how to use the template and how to connect it to Shopify. And um, eventually it turned out, and, and that's what we um, unfortunately could prove with the report as well, that it didn't really work out as a sales tool. So more than 70% used OVRs last year and only 15% ever made a purchase via an OVR. And we, in our report, we asked the collectors why they actually didn't do any transactions via the OVRs because you need to take into account that collectors weren't able to see work either. So there must have been an interest on the client or collector side to actually get in touch with art and maybe even buy art online. And um, most of, in most cases, the answer was um, it wasn't, there wasn't any price showcased and the OVR didn't actually offer any direct purchase option. So you really figured out or learned um, by these kind of interviews that the people expect the same, let's say, digital experience as they know it from any other online shopping experience. Is that yes. correct? Well, that's one of the major insights and it shouldn't come mm -hmm. as a surprise, but it does make a difference once you see it in writing. Um, but yes, I would say um, two of the, the major learnings are that um, collectors, I'm referring to them as collectors because obviously they're biased, but they still collect art with a certain motivation. And um, we could reveal that obviously every collector is missing the physical bit when he's browsing online or when he's even um, buying online. Everyone said, yes, I'm missing the physical bit. I would rather see the work beforehand. Um, this, is, this is something I, I really, truly miss. But the very same person also confirmed that they've been buying art online anyway. So very obviously, those two motivations combined in the very same person doesn't prevent from buying art online. And I think that's, that's something really um, important to digest. And then equally, and that's what you already mentioned, I mean, collectors are people and human beings who are also spending um, a huge amount of time in their lives online with regards to other segments of their life. And they have been um, been used, they have become used and they expect a certain standard and commodities when, when spending time online. So why would they be willing to give up all the commodities they are used to online just because they're entering an art-related art context? So that's been very explicit in demand, um, asking for direct purchase options. Um, we've seen the comment, where is the buy, buy now button, like numerous times. And also, can you please show the prices so I know what I'm about to buy? Um, and again, I mean, outside the art market, this might sound even funny, but it's so going against 50 years of traditions that there is still a clash of how to adapt to the digital world while it's somehow staying true to the heritage of this market. Exactly. It sounds like the stories that you heard uh, 10, 15 years ago about books, about shoes, about tires, whatever exactly. it is that's exactly. going to be sold online where people said like, it's not possible at all. And suddenly yeah. there was one player in the market that just like beat them all. Yeah, but um, also I think there's one, I'm sorry to interrupt you, because I think the major difference is that this is this market is still defined by defining himself how they would like to sell their art. And all the examples you just mentioned where I think industries where someone realized maybe we need to shift perspective and ask ourselves what the consumer side is expecting. So I think it's um, that th this is what's coming as a, as a huge challenge to this market to actually accept there is a consumer demand which might define um, how we do business in the future. 
That's super interesting. So um, maybe we jump uh, or talk a little bit more about the art and tech report. What, yes. what else have you found out? What are the key learnings that you got out of this report or the analysis? Uh, maybe it's interesting to know that many of the collectors who stated they have bought art online didn't or hadn't really seen the work beforehand and weren't even familiar with the work of the artist. So for the art markets, that's big news because you normally assume there needs to be a knowledge um, relation before you actually tend to buy. And also we can confirm through the report that online art buying definitely is neither a question of gender or of age or of the category of work. That's what we can clearly say. We've seen collectors over 60 and 70 years old saying they, they of course, buy online if there isn't any other channel or vehicle for them. So you can't It's too easy to say it's a millennial thing. Um, we could prove that it's it's across all um, age categories. And um, also, I personally think there are two key insights I found quite promising when you think about product or business development from an external perspective. And the first one being that um, collectors said they would have loved to have some part or some form of personal communication whilst being online. So in the very moment when they do research or are about to maybe do um, an online transaction, they longed for some personal communication in real time rather than in real life, uh, which again is news to most traditional players because um, they, they mostly rely on the fact that people want to have the personal dialogue in person physically because buying art is such an emotional and sensual thing to do. So in this study, we could say, we could show that actually, if you have a chatbot or a video chat or even a link to a messenger app, that would do. Um, it would definitely enhance transactions, online transactions. And the second bit is something um, which every one of us might relate to from our very personal life, um, but we could um, identify that art collectors do not want to be classified anymore if they are an online art collector or offline art collector. So they they want the, uh, they want any available options to have at hand so they can decide on a day-to-day -day basis how they feel. And this might very well include to visit a gallery on a Monday, to visit a fair on a Saturday, and to be equally comfortable on a Sunday night on a couch in, a, in your PG to click the click and buy button. So it's a hybrid consumer behavior entering the art market as well. There's so many directions in which we can take this one now. Um, maybe let's talk a little bit more about the report and how you actually uncovered the details. I think you mentioned that you've interviewed 400 people or roughly 400 people. I mean, this is a huge effort, right? So how did you go about that one? Yes, that was a huge effort. Uh, um, luckily, we didn't know how much effort it would require so uh, beforehand. <laughs> um, yes, so we created a survey um, in type form. So all we had was a decent link with a very complex survey. And then we started to cooperate with partners such as collector circles, collectors clubs, um, collectors platforms to make sure we really do target art collectors and not just everyone who feels like one. And But we were surprised ourselves that actually nearly 400 art collectors took the time to contribute to this online survey. 
Um, that's been quite an effort and it generated a, a lot of data anonymously, uh, by the way. So we never collected data, um, but just information to, to analyze. All right. Did you also get some feedback from the people who answered the survey, like beyond the feedback, uh, beyond the survey? Yes. So we what had was the reaction of, of that? Yeah. I mean, most of the collectors felt um, hurt and understood because there has been pain points on the collector side, because if you, re if you mm -hmm. are in lockdown and you want to spend uh, money on art, it wasn't that easy to find any opportunity to do so. So I think we were hitting a point where they were quite willing to contribute. And also, I mean, we, we asked them to express what they would like to see in the future or for the future. So I think it was like, um, this, is, this is our chance to place our wishes and demands, what they did. And we also received quite a lot of open comments, um, um, primarily referring to the gatekeeping function of galleries and how how this could or should maybe dissolve in general, just um, independently from where you buy, being it online or actually physically in the gallery. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned one thing that drew my attention. I mean. Um, Like when you've been talking um, to people who've been in that situation, you mentioned that the people are actually looking for more than just being able to, let's say, make a transaction online, just see the artwork and then click buy now button and then get it. But also looking for the general experience behind buying art, which means knowing background information about the artist, having personal contact to the gallery, um, all these kind of like surroundings that might not going to be, let's say, let's say uh, just a very pragmatic transactional model that you're going to have beside mm -hmm. that one. H how would you rate this part in the general journey of a customer's buyer profiles? Like, is that something where you say this is definitely a thing or maybe even a reason why um, a classical online shop doesn't work that well for selling online, uh, for selling art? says who <laughs> no I'm, i'm just like I'm, i'm just like saying it or assuming this one putting out a hypothesis to get the discussion going uh, yeah well it, it's um no, or is it is that totally off i i don't think so but i think there might be two layers to it because in general i think first of all you need to, as a, from a seller side you need to provide the possibilities to actually do a transaction online and mm -hmm. as i mentioned before that is not quite usual as of yet um, also, if you think about buying a piece of art, it always requires, of course, information about the artist, information about um, uh, maybe also the, the work itself, um, obviously information about the price. Um, maybe it's on a secondary market you want to, to see how, how the artist is doing in general and in relation to other artists. So there's a lot of context information needed for you to make up your mind before you buy. Um, up to now, that's been provided by the gallery um, in form of a one-to-one -one communication, uh, personal communication, uh, or a PDF. It's, the PDF has been the, the, the tool for the art market to display information up to now. Now, if you sum up all this required information, I think you would agree um, when I say this can easily be provided online and uh, you as a self-determined self digital native are able to read through everything which is available to make up your mind and then press click and buy. So I mm -hmm. think in terms of 
consumer um, perspective, I think it could be doable to provide everything needed um, for you to actually buy online. But again, it's a question of how much information an artist or a gallery actually want to display online because once you do it, it's out there and it's visible for everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's also this information hiding aspect to make it more interesting or, or how can you, how can, why, why shouldn't you publish all these kind of things all right, uh, right away? Well, I think there might be different reasons to it, and but it's actually that's, Normally, it's my question. <laughs> I'm challenging the rhythm. <laughs> so I don't have the answer right now. But um, first of all, um, it's it's about, I mean, this market um, is used to be very intransparent and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's just, it used to be a very closed system and you would be very specific in what kind of information to share with whom because eventually it's a one-to-one -one sales um sales franchising, right? It doesn't need an, an audience and it doesn't need publicity. Um, it's just that you can't um, adapt those mechanisms, those very personal individual mechanisms um, onto the digital realm. Once you hit e-commerce, there are rules around um, and, and um, traditions and rules, um, how, how things work. And I think it's it's just the, the tipping point where you need to decide how much information you want to reveal in order to actually um, receive sales, which are urgently wanted. So mm -hmm. um, it's a bit of a catch-22 and not easy to solve for the, the, the players themselves, but um, they're working on it. But it's that's what I mean. It's not as easy to apply. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And there are lots of reasons why it shouldn't and couldn't work. That's why, why they've been... Um, analog for the last 50 years and, and and now it's a it's a very challenging time because they know they must and they have to but it's um it's going against tradition which needs some kind of adaptation and involvement i assume all right so maybe let's take one step back so why did this industry not digitalize yet because they didn't have to i'd say the art market has always been different and and unique i would say and unique because it actually is about trading unique pieces it is about trading originals in in very individual transactions and this makes regulation difficult and that makes prices very volatile and um, I would also say personal communications, like the ones between, no, relationships, I'm sorry, between artists and galleries or galleries and collectors are very important uh, in that market and actually define most of the details of a deal. So, I don't know, um, I can see at least two people who do not want to reveal any any detail of the deal. So, um, it, I, I don't know, it just used to be a very traditional and, con and conservative market. Um, it surely has its own mechanism and it's wrapped in this sweet opaqueness and mm -hmm. that's been cultivated for over 50 years. It hasn't been questioned because it didn't have to. It was running and everyone was agreeing upon to and then the digitization hit <laughs> and uh, everything is changing now. This is very, very interesting because, I mean, in, 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 if you compare it to different other industries, you can say there's always someone who tries to disrupt the market by using digital technology, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this happened to many of these industries, especially in the e-commerce field. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have some more reasons why actually this disruption didn't happen? Is it really just that, the, I mean, I mean, saying that it was not needed, 
What does that mean, actually? Like, why was it not needed? Well, because everyone was playing along. I think there's only disruption if there's a pain point to it. But uh, mm. for a very long time, everyone was agreeing uh, on on those kind of mechanisms and, and rules. And maybe because it's it, it used to be um, a seller's market, right? Um, mm -hmm. In many cases, if you talk about blue chip art as a gallerist or auction house, you you are actually in a position to choose whom you want to sell the work to. And this might sound very superficial, but superficial, but there, there's a reason to it as well because galleries are responsible for a career of an artist so you want to make sure you place the art in the right context in the right collection maybe even in the right institution and that means it's important or it used to be very important to know who's buying the work and where is the work um, located after since so that means you, you you want to be in control right rather in in choosing your buyer, but also in knowing where the work is going to. And I think uh, that's been one of the main reasons why it's handled like it is handled. To that one. So if we have other industries, like, let's say classical e-commerce things, um, the online world has achieved a higher convenience in, let's say, buying products online, delivery has been faster, you have access to a broader catalog, all these kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. So would you also say that these factors don't matter that much or uh, for, the, for the art market industry? Or would you, would you say, no, there's, you could increase the entire experience online so much that it's going to get better than buying art offline or in the classical ways? Mm. I don't think online art buying will truly substitute buying art in general. And I think if people have the choice, if you are really into art and art collecting and you do have the choice, you might still want to prefer to see the work in real life beforehand. So, um, but when it comes to e-commerce, as we mentioned earlier, I think there's a certain expectation, expectation how online and e-commerce have to work for you as a user. So yes, I definitely think that um, standards like return options, payment plans, um, same-day delivery will be expected for from, from the consumer side in terms of experience. Um, I don't think that an online buying experience will ever compete with a physical buying experience. I think those should still remain two options I have to choose from. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's super interesting to see that the, um, let's say, the potentials that a digital transaction has in a, let's say, more standardized market is uh, more suitable to actually change the market instead of an, of an art buying process mm. um, because the, um, uh, the goods are... By definition, a little bit more expensive. It's not a high transaction model where you can win based on process excellence uh, in these kind of terms. So it's probably, it feels to me like there's going to be a big mix and match between the online experience and the offline experience. And I'm seeing this one as actually two separate worlds. Yeah, but I think, you need, well, I guess what I believe is that from a seller side, because we've seen through the report that people are willing to buy online. And there wasn't even a limit to at what price. The limit might 
come through um, glass ceilings like money laundering regulations. But um, so I wouldn't say it's the, the buyer side who's insecure in doing the purchase. It's about setting the infra infrastructure to make online art purchase standard and available to the, to the customer. This brings us very well to the next questions. Like who is actually the player in the market and how does the market currently look like? I mean, there I has mean, been some players around there in the market. So there must be some people there who already did something, tried out something. So how would you see the current status quo? The, the landscape? Digitalized, yes. Um, well, the, the art market in general, just roughly, is split in, in, in three main players, which would be the galleries and the auction houses and the art fairs. So if we stick to this model, I would say the players from all auction houses were in an advance because they have been starting to invest in digital innovations a couple of years ago already. So they didn't have to start from scratch last year when, when the physical, down, uh, physical world shut down. And the reason for it is because they started to invest in online-only auctions from very early on. So that's, of course, been a format which proved to be very successful last year, but which they didn't have to invent last year because it's been going on for a while. Um, when it comes to art fairs, I, how do I say this politically correct? I don't think they have cracked it yet. So um, it's been a very hard time for them while everyone, everything was shut down. They tried to find uh, digital twins for their fairs and do online fairs, but that clearly didn't work out at all because it was so much digital information for the collector side that it just wasn't to digest. So people lost interest in actually visiting anything digitally during the online art fair. And galleries, I think, have been trying a lot. I think they've been very creative and brave, by the way. And um, I wouldn't necessarily say there is one new gallery model evolving yet, but there are certainly formats who seem to be successful from a gallery side. And um, everything which is dissolving your very own structure and saying, I'm not just a gallery anymore, but I'm opening up to the online world. And um, maybe I do have different touch points and um, I'm available and accessible for my clients now in a different way than, than um, last year or the, or the years before means opening up in, in, in general and means a change to your business model because you create so much more opportunities to actually generate sales. So, but even, um, even here, I wouldn't say there's a blueprint to success yet. Um, something which seems to be quite successful um, is the format of digital platforms or third-party platforms. Um, I don't think that's a surprise because they prove successful everywhere else as well. Um, but that's starting to evolve and also um, starting to consolidate already. So I don't know. I think they're right in the mix of testing standard concepts from different industries, but also to see um, if there's anything which needs to be introduced and newly developed just in particular for the art market. Where would you currently buy art? So what are the big platforms right now where you can see like, okay, this is where you can buy the good ones? Um, you mean digitally? Yes. 
Okay. I, well, me personally, I would always refer to Artsy as a platform because it's very easy to search as long as you know what to search for. Otherwise, you will be overwhelmed. I would also refer to um, the the big online auctions by the big auction houses when they do their contemporary art sales because they have become um, very social events and um, it's always a very interesting mix when it comes of when it comes to um, different kind of forms of art or art categories and then obviously it depends on what you're looking for but um, there are new platforms developing with a with a focus on particular work. For example, David Swerner, which is a, a big or probably the biggest um, gallery on the horizon based in the US and everywhere else. Um, so he's huge, he's very successful and they've invented, invented a platform where he actually gives um, very young galleries from the, from the LA territory, I think, the possibility to display, to present, and to everything under the umbrella of Tsuna, which obviously draws a lot of attention. And, um, but it's also a quality control. So if you know it's been selected by this major quality um, gallery, then you might be reassured that it's um, contemporary art you can, I don't know, trust in or um, rely on. So yeah, and then... And it makes also sense to see that most of the galleries mm -hmm. or many galleries are starting to create own e-commerce shops on their websites, which I think is um, a good tendency because it means you, you keep um, the visitor of your website on your website and don't have to send them away to a third-party platform. So it's always something I would like to um, support. So I think there, there, there are a lot of platforms and possibilities for you to start looking for art and also buying and then tell me how you experience the buying process, please. All right. I think this brings us to the very, very obvious questions or topics of NFTs. Um, yay. No other without NFTs. <laughs> without without NFTs, exactly. I mean, like like from your perspective, because you're coming from, let's say, the art industry and, and for someone who's coming, let's say, more from, from uh, the digital or the tech side, um, would you say that the... Um, NFT topic is like opening up a new market. Is it actually an art market or the same art market? Is it a totally different market? Um, how would you see this kind of NFT world right now? So do you have do you have any data or something where you can say you know what people who bought physical art are now investing into NFTs, <gasps> or is it just like people that haven't anything to do with that one starting to invest into this one because they see it more like as a let's say, cryptocurrency or something? Well, if you had the answer to this, Tama, you would be successful and rich. Um, it's something everyone <laughs> is obviously asking. And I don't think there's an answer to it yet. And I think that's mm -hmm. fair because we're just in the beginning. Um, how do we see NFT in art? Well, I am a big fan of the NFT development That doesn't mean I'm a fan of this big speculation hype which has been created this year. But mm -hmm. when you take NFT as a technology, which means it makes any digital file like a JPEG or GIF or mm -hmm. music file um, verified on a blockchain, 
and like a certificate. And this certificate um, actually allows uh, any digital file to become unique and tradable. I think that's a very cool thing. And given all the digital artists who have been creating digital art for years and this digital art was never really of value for, every, for, for anyone because JPEGs can so easily be copied and shared and reused. <laughs> I think this is a tremendous achievement because with an NFT now, um, those artists can make their piece of digital art unique and they can make sure it contains ownership and authorship. And also um, there is a number one of your JPEG, so uh, you create value and you can start to sell it and trade it and earn money. And I think um, that's just something which is mm -hmm. a great achievement and overdue and well-deserved from an artist's perspective. Yeah, I think that's very interesting to see that the uh, general blockchain technologies now come into, let's say, applicable uh, business models and creating actually the markets that, that has been Uh, at least um, prognosis for for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that the um, uh, you mentioned the NFT hype. Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's definitely hype around NFTs, but what is currently currently your perspective on the future of it? Will it stay? Will it go back again <laughs> to where it came from? What's your current um, prognosis on this topic? Okay, I'm I'm speaking mainly from an art market perspective. Yes, and um, so the, the hype within the art market clearly came when um, the auction house Christie's decided to put up an NFT artwork by artist Beeple um, as, uh, up for online auction as part of their contemporary online art auctions. And it sold for $69 million dollars, period. <laughs> and that was quite I, i mean that's that's where the craziness started and then we've seen um similar signature sales over the last couple of weeks um crypto punks being sold for around 10 million 10 million dollars and and um, bored apes for five million dollars so there's clearly been a hype and that's been mainly pushed by well i would say crypto in the tech crowd with a huge speculative aspect to it so this is a hype which I think will clearly decline at some point again, maybe a bit like Clubhouse. <laughs> I think it will fail um, <laughs> at some point. Um, but if you, I think at the same time, it awakened the interest in this technology and also in this form of art. And I think that's, as I said, I think it's an achievement and it's adding a lot of interesting layers to the existing system. How does the art market or the artist actually react to, to NFTs? Is there the general question about, is it really art? Um, is that something that is that people just like don't want to jump on top of that one because every, every JPEG can be now be an NFT and you want to sell whatever generated designs? Do you mm. think that this um, is something that um, the art market, the existing, the old market will jump on it and say like, okay, this is now giving us new opportunities that we haven't had before uh, and now we're also not supported only from let's say kiddies investing into something in order to get rich soon or, or how do how would you see that part um so many questions let me start with the, with the artist's point of view because i yeah. um 
as I already mentioned, I think for digital artists, it's, it's just great that they now have a chance to monetize their digital, digital goods and also to participate when it comes to resales. Um, and that's, that's something new, which, which didn't happen beforehand. Also, digital art can now be introduced to the official art market because it's tradable and it's sellable, which it hasn't been before. So it's a huge major step for this form of art, for digital art and crypto art to be part of the official art market because they can now be traded. So that's a change to the art market in general. But you asked me who's entering whose world. And if you think about it, as a Venn diagram, we have the traditional art world and we have the crypto world and somewhere in between we have an overlay. And I think that's where it's getting very interesting because obviously you can say crypto collectors aren't traditional art collectors. And if they buy and invest money, it's not meant uh, or not based at the same on the same motivation like if a traditional collector buy. But um, I think um, if... There is some digital work out there and there's someone who likes it and is willing to pay that kind of price, then there's a market. And I personally think that's fair, fair enough. Does it make it good art? I don't know. That's a very subjective question anyway. But what we can tell is that with a traditional art market or art history canon, you can't really explain what's happening in the crypto world. But within the crypto world, you can very, very much explain what's happening and where it's where it's leading us. So I don't I don't know if just because you can't exp um, apply the, the the art historic canon anymore, if that doesn't imply it can't be real, real or true or serious art. Also, I, I, I personally think good art is not about only the, the visual, the visual um, level but it's also about the concept. And there is so much crypto out there with really strong concepts that I personally think, of course, it's art because it's based on, on great artistic concepts. So um, I think we will see a mix of everything. And if you, if you ask me how the traditional art world is reacting, well, obviously, in the very beginning, it was a lot of um, hiding uh, in terms of this will go away and this is not art and this will not have an impact on us. But we see so many new collectors entering the art market now. Chrissy's, for example, said that during their online auctions, they had so many um, people watching their online auctions of the NFT sales, which they have never seen before. So they're clearly a new clientele um, they are accessing now. And at least some, some of them might actually um, warm up to the rest of the field of the art market and maybe enter the art market and, and also um, gain interest in other forms of art and art collecting. So I think it's an, it's an addition to the existing system for sure. Um, I think the challenge will be for the traditional art market players to think about how to leverage on the NFT development and I don't personally think the solution will be to ask your existing client to do an NFT. And that's what we are seeing right now. Um, I think NFTs are meant to have a meaning in their mm -hmm. native context and not just uh, digitize a print <laughs> and make it an NFT. But that's not up for me to decide. And again, if it has a market, then it has a market. It, it's going to be super interesting to see how actually the both two worlds uh, are actually fueling probably each other, which will, I guess, would happen um, and see how they both can benefit from, from both sides, right? 
Um, how do you think will the art market develop in the future um, when you take it from here? Like in general or with regards In general, to yes, in general. In general. Mm. Well, here comes a surprise. I don't think we will go back to normal. <laughs> um, there might be some art market players maybe wishing for the good old days, but honestly, the world has changed. We have changed. We got used to screens, virtual communication, e-commerce. Um, we've changed our approach to traveling. I don't think the world go back to how it was. And that means we are seeing a clear tipping point of the for the art market the way we knew it. Meaning, I personally think we will see more democracy and transparency um, in this market. I also think there will be some kind of consolidation maybe when I think of the amount of galleries and and also art fairs out there. Um, it will clearly um, require a stronger consumer orientation and that goes hand in hand with less gatekeeping, I suppose. And let's not forget that there's a completely new next-gen art collector generation on the rise. And knowing that concepts like status symbols or also owning things like ownership mm -hmm. um, does not mean as much to them anymore as to former generations, I think we will still need to see changes to how the art market is um, adapting to the future. However, I think interesting will also be what's happening once everyone has done their homework and distribution channels are digitized. And, and then we can start with the, with the real what's next question. And I think that that's an, uh, an interesting field because it's, it's so white still. It's like a white piece of paper. And mm. um, obviously it will be to think about, um, this would be about what, how can technologies like AR or VR or artificial inf intelligence or, or machine learning and data mining and blockchain, how can those technologies really, really add and contribute something completely new to this market? And where are the business cases and the use cases to actually create new scalable um, business models and I don't know how, how I see technologies having an impact on um, how art is produced, on art production, like um, where, where AR or artificial intelligence on, and, and even NFTs will play a major role. Um, and I also see technologies having an impact on how art can be sold and distributed, where maybe... I don't know, machine learning and AI can contribute. But then most importantly, I think it's the question where and how technology can become real game changers. Mm -hmm. And if you ask me personally, I would say it's the field of NFTs and the fractionalization of artwork. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be also interesting to see how the importance of digital ownership um, induced by the metaverse, for example, will actually have an impact on the desire to own assets digitally. Kerstin, thank you very much. I think we, uh, we understood that the art market is currently in a massive change moment um, where everything is actually changing from the creation to the consumption to the transaction of um, the, the artworks. Um, 
the digital part is moving strongly forward, um, changing the, let's say, the classical industry, but also giving new opportunities with um, NFTs and the entire blockchain uh, development there. And I think this is going to be like huge um, opportunity for entrepreneurs to actually build up new business model and and try to shape it because it's very, it's uh, it's great to see this kind of change. And this is like always a great moment to do something around it. So thanks a lot. It was a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, please give us some notes, contact us wherever you want. We're happy to answer your questions. And uh, we're going to link all um, contact points in, in the description. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.